Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I got a guest literally sitting next to me, like we're we're awkwardly close because I only have one microphone. We're going to talk to him in a minute, though. First, quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Dry Robe. Dry Robe is the most versatile changing robe. If you've been to World's Toughest Mudder, if you're going to Spartan Sweden Championship, if you're going to OCR World Championship, or really any cold weather race this coming year, you're going to want a Dry Robe. Long oversized coat that's waterproof on the outside, super warm on the inside. I was actually just wearing mine to a hundred miler this weekend, which is what we're going to be talking about. And uh, the ultra running world is not familiar with dry robe, and they need to be because when you finish a race, it is awesome to throw on and keep you warm post race. So joining me today, I have a guest that we had on earlier this year. Is Billy Richards? His plan at the beginning of the year was to set the record for most hundred milers in a year. And uh, Billy, what was what number were you shooting for? Uh, the record was 41, so um, I mainly wanted to shoot for 42, but I, you know, I scheduled a bunch more than that though. So pretty much the sky was the limit. Um, I've had a few DNFs, uh, a couple of injuries on the way, but I'm still in line to get that uh, number 42. However, I have to finish everything remaining on the schedule over the next nine weeks. And that's nine races. Which is insane. So this past weekend, uh, as of literally at a couple hours after, a couple hours ago from the time of recording this, he had fin- he just finished the was it Rails to Trails. Yeah, the uh, Rails to Trails Extravaganza 100. It's the uh, same course as the Prairie Spirit 100, if, for those of you that are familiar with the area. So that is a 100-mile race located in just outside of Kansas City. And that was his 10th 100-mile finish in a row in 10 consecutive weeks and his 33rd for the year. So very impressive. I mean, just that as a standalone feat. Basically, finishing 100 miles as a standalone feat is impressive, but 10 in a row really uh, really says something and sets you apart from the ultra-running crowd. So let's, let's first let's talk about that, this race specifically, and then we'll talk about you know, kind of the experience as a whole. So kind of give me some general thoughts on this race and kind of what made it unique as compared out to the other races. Well, I mean, this race, um, you know, it's a, it's a rail trail race. So, you know, rail trail is a trail that used to be like a railroad system. And now it's just a trail. So it's a super flat course. It's one of those courses where, you know, like if you, te- you know, if you wanted to set like a PR, you know, it's, it's basically advertised for that. If you want to just run it really fast and, you know, it's, it's good for beginners because, it, well, sort of good for beginners, but it's good for beginners because, you know, it's, um, you know, one is flat, the terrain's not too challenging, but it's also good for your elite level guys that just want to, um, you know, put out and do the best they can. But, um, this course was a, uh, you know, it was a 50 mile out and back. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much, um, you know, uh, the aid stations were very spread out, you know, which made it kind of challenging. So... Right on. Now, with you know, you've run a lot of hundred different different hundred miles this year. 
Do you prefer do you prefer the out and back style or would you rather do loops? Personal preference. Well, um, I mean, it it all depends on uh what you're looking for, though. Me, I me, I I prefer I prefer loops surprisingly, because like um I know a loop can be somewhat monotonous though, but a loop's easy because you just put a drop bag at the uh, start finish area. You don't have to wait for anybody to bring your drop bags back. You know, it's nice and convenient. You know, and uh, once you see the loop for the first time, you get like, and you know, you kind of like calibrated to what your GPS is picking up though because all these courses are a little different so once you've seen everything you kind of know what to expect and you really know like okay you know at uh, this part of the course I'm gonna haul ass or this part this part of the course I'm gonna um, you know take it slow so you know you kind of you kind of know the course ahead of time and you kind of know how to pace a little bit better just because you know you know it's ahead of you um you know with the out and backs sometimes getting to that turnaround point can just be straight up misery but once you're there you know the it's all it's all downhill from there so you know it's like the race shrinks when you're coming back um single loop courses or point to point courses those can be kind of tricky because well as far as like preparation because of the unknown like you know you can't be at mile 50 and say hey this is the finish time I'm going to shoot for because at mile 75 you might be climbing a mountain that wasn't in the first part of it so, you know, it's a little bit different when it comes to pacing, planning, stuff like that, you know, so. Yeah, that's a real good answer. I, I strongly agree with that. I prefer looped courses also because once I see the course once, again, now it's, I know what to expect and then I can kind of turn my brain off a little bit versus dealing with the unknown ahead of me. Now, uh, you flew in Friday, drove you to the race Saturday morning, you went out on the 50-mile I went and did a uh, KCOCR's Feel the Burn Challenge, so a two-mile OCR, ran that in the morning, and then went back out to the race site, and because it was an out and back, you know, and not a loop, I couldn't actually, I, I was expecting to like sit in a pit and kind of help you out on every lap, but it, with the out and back format, essentially, I had to go out to one of the aid stations and pace you back, so in order to get ready for World's Toughest, I <laughs> ran out to mile 22, which was abnormal for the pacer because most people were dropped off uh, for their uh, pacing duties. And I ended up pacing you back in the last uh, 22 miles, which, you know, that you talked a little about it a little bit, but there's like that trail, you're just staring. It's like flat and straight, and it's just like non-changing. It felt almost like I was running on a treadmill, but outside. It's like you're running through a dark tunnel, and that's like the worst stretch of the race. It's not the longest, but it's the worst. The longest is um, the ten mile out and back to the turnaround, you know, because you um, you know, there's an aid station at mile forty one. You run ten miles to mile fifty one, turn around, run ten miles back to hit the sixty uh, first. So that's like the longest section of the course, though. But at least that has like changing views, you know. You run through a town real quick. You run under a couple of underpasses, but um, the one stretch from mile. 13 and a half ish to uh, mile 22 and a half is just brutal. It just doesn't change. You're, especially at night though, it's just like a dark tunnel through trees. And, um, you know, you're, especially with the headlamp on, it's like driving on one of those, uh, it, it kind of reminds you of like driving on one of those back roads. And like if you're tired at all, it just puts you right to sleep. 
I mean, that's um, I've actually done this uh, course last year, and uh, that was a section that really got to me last year. I just couldn't stay awake for anything. Yeah, but this year uh, I had Evan uh, talking to me when he paced me on the way back, so Evan pretty much kept me awake. So, you know, it made made, uh, made the course that much easier. Yeah, it was a good time. We we bullshitted basically for yeah. a couple hours on the way back uh, through the night. So, bunch of old war stories, you know, <laughs> the OCR, military, everything else. <laughs> yeah, just letting, letting the topics go wherever. Now, let's talk about kind of this whole experience as as a big thing. You know, I think a lot of people are obviously very impressed with the sheer physicality of it, right? Running that many hundred miles in a year is just physically very mental, very demanding. But, you know, as someone who does endurance, for me, like looking at Billy, the mental aspect seems just insurmountable, right? Like, I mean, you you grind for <coughs> 24 plus hours in a weekend, and then you basically kind of recover, but not really, and then have to grind again for 24 hours. So kind of just talk to me a little bit about the, the mental aspect of doing all these. Oh, I mean, I only uh, I only partially recover now nowadays. It's like I limp to the starting line every week. And then, and then maybe about 20, 30 miles in, everything just magically goes numb. And then I, and then I'm okay for a while. And then the tail end of the race, I just kind of like gut it out. I mean, the one thing is I'm not really like a fast guy. I just kind of move consistently. But like, as far as this whole race thing go, the races themselves are actually like, you know, as sick as it sounds, the races themselves are actually the easy part. It's the, um, I mean, the logistics aren't too, too bad. Like as far as planning everything. But it's the aftermath of the races. It's like, okay, I just did this hundred mile race. My body's crashing, trying to shut down. Now I got to drive to the airport, ditch the rental car, sit in the security line, and half the times I'm, I can't even like stand up straight. I'm just like keeled over, trying not to puke in security line. You know, just trying to get in. Uh, I've had a few times where I would have a flight that left early Monday morning, so I would check into security Saturday night. Just find a spot on the floor and just like go to sleep, you know. And then uh, it'd be funny because I'd be laying there, and one of the house cleaning ladies would come up to me and be like, "You want a blanket?" <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's been um, you know, every so often I've had friends help out, you know, like if I have if I know people that live in the area. Uh, but for the most part, this has been like a solo mission. Um, you know, I've had times where I would do a 24-hour race and then have to get in the car and drive like 10 hours back to New York and then just keep my fingers crossed. You know, I'd end up pulling over like every like 20, 30 miles or so and just chip away just like I would at a 100, you know, but uh, which I don't recommend, by the way. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. I, I mean, yeah. and that's the most dangerous part, really. I mean, I don't let myself get to the point where I'm gonna nod off and fly off the road. If my head starts to dip, I could just find the nearest exit and, you know, chill out for a little while. Gotcha. But, well, absolutely impressive. I mean, I was telling him on on the way back just how how impressive this whole situation's been. Now, again, obviously, mentally very challenging, physically very challenging. You, what are some things you've encountered that you, I would say, not expected uh, going into this? Or is there anything unexpected? Um, well, I mean, I pretty much already expected to be in pain. And, uh, like, going into this, I really didn't know, like, how far I would actually get. I just kind of threw everything together, and it's like, all right, let's get it, you know. And, uh, 
Yeah, I'm actually shocked. I'm like, I, I'm still going. This was like pretty much just pretty much like a test. Um, you know, uh, I've had a few injury injuries. Uh, the first 15, I felt invincible, and then at the end of the 15th one, which is the uh, peak uh, blood root ultra, I think. I mean, I didn't really get a formal diagnosis. They said it was a really bad shin splint, but I think it was a lot worse than that. But you know, it almost looked like I tore my anterior tibialis because it was like a lump in my shin. You know, so that, you know, knocked me out for the Keys 100 and the uh, Iowa Backroads Ultra. So the Keys 100 um, was like the week, like right after I got injured. I still somehow gutted it out and made it to mile 65, you know, before uh, the pain got so unbearable that I couldn't stand it, stand for more than like two minutes. And, um, you know, so the following weekend I took off. And then, you know, I've also had a couple of other weekends where, you know, I had prior obligations. Like I still did, uh, you know, 50, 50 miles from Earth, which is a charity thing, you know, and um, a couple of other things. That's insane. So you're still, you're still squeezing in other races in between. Oh, yeah. That's insane. But, um, I mean, I kind of, after the shin injury... Um, you know, one of my sponsors, uh, before Max, they kind of put a stop to me doing every all other curricular activity. So, you know, they, they're like, no, you're absolutely not doing it. You know, and, uh, they're pretty much, they've been pretty much keeping me healthy. So, uh, I listen to them. Gotcha. Let's talk gear for a minute. Cause I know people love to talk gear, you know, what shoes you're wearing, you know, why did you go with those shoes? And obviously you're still carrying the American flag. Uh, which is your kind of your mo, your trademark there. Um, so yeah, take us through some of your gear that's have been clutched to your performance. Okay, so uh, shoes I use, I use um, my go-to's are the uh, Ultra Olympuses for uh, trails, and uh, well, I don't do uh, no, obviously not too many of these things are on the roads, but um, Ultra did send me like a set of uh, paradigms which work very well for like Miami, and then I used them again at uh, Hennepin because it was more of like a paved trail. But, um, yeah, my go-to for shoes is Ultra Olympuses. Uh, socks, um, I, pretty much, I pretty much get, like, a lot of throwaways. So because, um, you know, because I've been running through so many, I just, I mean, if you want me to be honest, I just go to Marshalls and pick up, like, one of the little discounted packages and just throw them out after the race. It's less stuff for me to carry. <laughs> nice. And then um, as far as what keeps me going, I always have, like, five-hour energies on standby. Those uh, typically get me through the night. And uh, my American flag, um, I used to do like a PVC pipe with uh, duct tape and um, zip ties that was very sturdy. But since I've been flying so often and everything, I actually have a flagpole that's telescopic. You know, so it uh, collapses down and fits in my carry-on bag. And then, you know, I keep the flag hooked up to it. So whenever I you know, go to do a race, I just roll it out and extend the flag and it's set up within seconds. So there's like little or no effort there. Gotcha. So And then for on course fuel, what's your what's your technique there? On course fuel, I mainly just uh live out of the aid stations. Gotcha. You know, usually like a lot of them though, especially the bigger races are pretty good. So I'll just like ransack their goose and gels from them, throw them in my pockets. Like, right when I hit the first one, and then, you know, go from there. Gotcha. And uh, the next two questions are going to come from my four-year-old daughter. 
who we dropped him off at the race the morning of, and then we went and did the Conquer Youth Kids Course at KCOCR afterwards. So she wanted to know why. She's like, why is Billy running 100 miles? And I was like, you know what? That's a good question. So, <laughs> Billy, wh- why? Well, it's just one of those things, though. I mean, like, I always... I always um you know, I always run with the American flag to uh, honor our military and everything. And, you know, like more towards the end of the year, usually around the holiday season, I'll usually attach like a charity to it. But for the most part, other than that, like the 100 mile, you know, like, um, you know, because the, fl- the flag's something I normally always do. But um, the 100 mile uh, thing, I just found like a challenge that I wanted to take on because honestly... And I was talking to you about this earlier. I absolutely hate running 100 milers, believe it or not. But I just found a goal that uh, I thought was attainable. So I set the wheels in motion, and I just decided to get after it. You know, I wanted to find something that was just brutal that I could, uh, that I can, uh, that, you know, like I said, was attainable. And that's pretty much it. They're they're miserable. They're awful. <laughs> they're not fun. You know, at least some, I mean, you know, this, this past one wasn't too bad, but usually, you know, like, I mean, I know you saw me puke once, but I've had races too, where like the last, you know, like there was one race, uh, I think it was, I I forget, it was, it was sometime in June, July, I started puking at like mile 30 and I magically busted out the remaining 70, you know, just by putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and it's. Yeah, they're just miserable. Well, you also answered my next question, uh, which was another one my daughter asked. She was like, why is he running with the American flag? And I was like, oh, he just loves America and showing some American pride. Yeah, there. Um, you know, my, 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 original, uh, my original reason was, um, you know, just to, um, you know, raise awareness towards PTSD and help prevent veteran suicide and everything. So I used to run through the town and, you know, with it and try to raise money. And then, you know, it, um, pretty much after like around 2015 ish, it just got to the point though, where, you know, it just became a part of me, you know, it, it, it was, it didn't make it very easy to find you on course, uh, both from a distance and then also at the aid station because that people would be like, Oh, who's you, who you're running with or who are you going to pace for? And I was like, Billy Richards, you know, and they give me a blank stare and then I'm like, He's carrying the American flag. Like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. He was here last year. Blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah. Yeah, last year it didn't go so well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, like my body just crashed after. I couldn't stay awake anymore. And I didn't really know that the aid station, like, actually, the the people that worked there actually thought I should have went to the hospital. But, you know, like, um, after they dropped me off at the start-finish line, I just drove back to the airport. Yeah, they were so... What's funny was we, we get to this aid station, and uh, he goes to the bathroom, and I'm sitting there by myself uh, with the aid station personnel, and they were like, they're like, oh, he was here last year. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, yeah, he, he did not look so well. We, we recommended he go to the hospital. <laughs> and I, they're like, did he go to the hospital after that? I was like, I don't think so. And they're like, oh, okay. No, I went home. <laughs> I actually got on an airplane, like, right after that. Oh man, that's good. I I remember that too though, cause like Kansas City had an unusually long line that day, and um, you know I'm just standing there, like waiting to waiting on on the security line, and I'm my whole world's crashing on me, 
And I'm at the point, though, where I think I sat down in line for a little while. <laughs> I just couldn't stand anymore. Yep. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about mental strength and some of the some of the aspects of that. Now, I was to- I was talking to Billy and uh, on the course for our during our long walk jog back to the start line, and one of the things I said was, you know. I think it's awesome that, you know, I grew up reading all these endurance books, right? Uh, you know, Pam Reed's book, The Extra Mile, Dean Karnazes' book, uh, Marshall Ulrich, all these ultra runners doing all these crazy things. And I think it's awesome that I'm now, like, in that world and I know these people. Like, I know Billy. I know, you know, Maddie Gregg, who just did a transcontinental run, uh, raising money for uh, firefighters. She's from the Tough Mudder community. You know, my other friend, Jordan Smith, ran across the state of Michigan. So... You know, you mentioned earlier, but tell me about people trying to push the the you know the boundary and kind of what you've learned about you know essentially that people are people are people are just people at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I look at it though, and you know, like um, you know, these people they're 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 just people. You know, they just you know, I mean, obviously they put in the work, but you know, like I started thinking to myself, it's like why can he do something like that not me you know what i'm saying like i just figured you know it's like i think a lot of times though people like set limits on themselves you know what i'm saying they automatically like say that something's too hard to do so then they shut their brain down they're like all right i'm not even doing it when you know a lot of people have the capability to do so much more but they're just afraid to get out there and try it because they're afraid of failure you know what i'm saying and, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not perfect either. I think I'm up to like nine DNFs with one hundreds over the course of, uh, you know, the last like four and a half years, you know, I've, you know, and I've DNF'd other things too, though. Cause I mean, like things don't always go your way, but you know, you just have to keep getting at it, getting at it, getting at it, you know? And I think a lot of your average people, they're just so afraid of failure and they're just, you know, that they don't even try and they're much more capable than what they think. You know, awesome. Absolutely agree, and absolutely love that message. Speaking of, you know, some of your races earlier this year, I know you've had besides just finishing, you've had some pretty good results. So, how many times have you won and or podium this year? I won my very first race, uh, which is the Frozen uh, Hellhole Hundred, and uh, I actually won that by like fourteen seconds because I got complacent. So <laughs> you know, like um. Aid station was telling me, oh, you're two hours ahead, two hours ahead. Then there was this little short, like, two-mile out and back. You know, the course came out to 96 miles. So we had to do this short little two-mile out and back to make it make it an even 100. So I hit the turnaround on coming back, and I was maybe about 200 yards away from the finish line. All of a sudden, I hear footsteps behind me. So I turn around, and I'm like, uh, are you in second place? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh-oh. So all of a sudden, I went from hobbling and limping. I just got this shot of adrenaline, and I kicked it in the high gear, and I sprinted down, like, the last, like, 200 meters or so, and I ended up taking it by, like, 14 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever. With the American flag flying. Yes, with the American <laughs> flag up in the air. And then um, the very next week, I uh, placed second in the uh, Skydive Ultra. And uh, that one was a disaster as far as the weather. It was raining so hard, it was raining sideways. You know, and uh, it was just, like, the entire course was, like, ankle-deep in water. You know, there was a lot of DNS because a lot of people just dropped out. 
in that last lap about like three like two or three miles out lightning started the strike so i'm like oh you know i'm like uh oh they better not cancel this race so that's when i really picked it up in the high gear and all of a sudden i went from you know maybe doing like a 12 13 minute mile shuffle to like doing like a seven minute mile to get to the end <laughs> you know because once that adrenaline kicks in you just go um then um I won the uh, Jersey uh, Trail Series 100 back in April. Um, that one wasn't even a close call. I mean, I pretty much won by like, I think I won by like like 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, the set. I mean, that one, I had a little competition with the second place person catching almost catching me. But it was his first 100 and he wanted to do the last lap with his family. So he pretty much bowed out and just walked it in with his family so he wasn't even in contention anymore like you know on the final loop but um i won that race which got me entry into wawayanda later on in the year and then the other one i uh won was the uh peak blood root ultra you know by uh peak races and uh that was i mean it was a low part you know six people participated only two of us finished but that one was just up and down the mountain over and over again. It was a 10-mile loop we did 10 times. And for those of you that are that have done the death race and are familiar with it, like the first two and a half miles was like a straight march, like right up to Shrek's cabin at the top of the mountain. And then after that, it kind of switched back down a little bit with a couple of, you know, like, you know, like light climbs and stuff like that, though. But for, for the most part, that first... Like two and a half miles was just brutal, and it was also raining in like high upper thirties, which is like probably the first uh, two three months every single race I did. Yeah, the weather was miserable the first couple of months. I was just praying for good weather at at least one of them. <laughs> well, very impressive, and the fact that you're you're not you're not only doing all these, but you've actually won a couple, and um, you know it's. Running with you, your pace is just consistent, right? You're just you're not out there like trying to set any speed records, but you are putting in consistent miles. Like when I was waiting for you, I was looking at your splits, and I was like, "All right, well, if he's running consistently, he should be here in you know two hours." And you showed up like two hours and five minutes later. It was like, I mean, it was just just very impressive. And you know, running alongside you, you're just putting out a nice consistent pace. You've got a system down. So what's your what systems have you used that you found that you enjoy that, you know, as far as run-walk ratios and uh, when you implement them? I mean, I don't really go by time. I more or less, like, go by distance. So usually, like, the first, uh, you know, 25 to 50 miles, depending on how I'm feeling. Like, today, I kind of, you know, this weekend, I kind of felt uh, I felt pretty bad. So my initial plan only lasted about 20 miles, so I ended up uh, switching, switching gears a little bit. So, but usually, like, the first half of the race, I'll try to... Um, you know, I'll, I'll usually run a mile and walk for about 100 paces, run a mile, walk for about 100 paces. You know, th th this is obviously the strategy with a flat race. When you throw in, like, varying terrain and everything, it differs a little bit. It's more or less just, like, me playing the terrain. But with this race, um, I did uh, the one-mile one run, and then I walked 100 paces at the top of every mile. And, um, you know, as it, uh, as the race went on and my legs kind of got beat up a little bit, I did, I then split it so that I was, um, so that I was, uh, walking a hundred paces, then running on the half mile and walking a hundred paces. 
and all it really did was maybe add like maybe 60 seconds to each mile so it didn't really it didn't really have too much of an effect I mean it did prevent me from getting like a sub 24 you know that wasn't necessarily the goal but I'm also trying to get a feel for different plans though because my legs are getting wrecked and I still have uh, two 24-hour races I have to do and I only have one more race where I could test a theory and that's Tunnel Hill because uh, next weekend I got a uh, Pinhoti which is a pretty technical trail with a lot of uh, hills and stuff like that so I'm not really going to be able to test the theory next week but gotcha well I think by the end of this year you'll know a lot of different things about pacing and then on top of that you know, if anyone's looking to do a hundred miler, I'm pretty sure Billy now is the one of the pr- predominant resources for opinions oh, yeah. on which one to do, and if you know, depending on your goals and uh, situation there. So I won't get you to the podium, but if you're a first timer, I can get you to the finish line. <laughs> right on. And uh, Facebook page uh, for people to follow you. Yeah, the Facebook page is just uh, Billy Richards, the 100 mile slayer. Right. Um. Yeah, it's just uh, Facebook.com slash Billy100Slayer. So, so make, make sure you follow him on that. And then Instagram, what's your Instagram handle? It's uh, Billy the Trainer. Right on. So make sure you follow him on that too. You'll see. I mean, it's very easy one to follow because he's, I mean, he's posting, he's putting up 100 miles every weekend. So there's always, there's always new content and there's always new uh, updates on his performance and how he's feeling. So yeah. It's a pretty good, pretty good site to follow uh, if you need some extra motivation. And I'm still, I'm still lifting weights in between though too. So sometimes I post those workouts as well. <laughs> I don't post them all the time. I just post them sometimes. Right on. <laughs> well, again, very impressive. Um, let's see what else. Any uh, final shout outs you want to give? Friends, family, sponsors, etc. Um, yeah, I'll give a shout out to Performax again. They always uh, keep me in the game. Um, shout out to Ultra Running. Um, their shoes are awesome. They sent me a few. Uh, they sent me a few sets to try out. The uh, Olympuses, the Paradigms. Paradigms are actually really well on the road. Um, shout out to uh, Megaton Coffee. They send me co- coffee every month. Um, let's see who else. Uh, as far as far as friends, uh, I'll give a big shout out to Evan for helping pacing me this weekend. Um, last weekend I had, um, uh, Zach Wisnowski and Angel, Angel Velez come out and, uh, you know, they helped me out last weekend. Tesla Hertz, uh, big shout out. I had four pacers. I had, uh, Dave, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to say Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dave came out, Alicia, uh, Alicia Palladino came out, um, uh, who else came out? Ah. Uh. I'm drawing a blank here. Um, oh yeah, um, my friend Richard came out. He's uh used him to get me through the night over at Tesla Hertz. He's a retired drill sergeant, so he was the perfect person to ask. <laughs> you know, if I started di- if I started dozing off, I just have him yell and scream at me. So that worked out well. So. so. Awesome, and I'm sure I'm sure you missed a bunch of people that have been that have been helpful. Oh yeah, the way, I but... mean, there's there's so many. I've had over, I've had hundreds and hundreds of supporters. It's very meaningful. It means a lot. Uh, I can't remember everybody's name off the top of my head, and, you know, unless I I could ease quite easily be here for like an hour giving shout outs. I just like to say thank you to everybody. Yeah. Now we, we kind of talked about it the last time you were on the podcast, and people can go back and listen to that episode if they want. But let's say. Let's say the rest of the year goes smoothly. You know, you you hit your goal. What what's beyond this? Is there 
any, any long-term plans? Are we, you know, we gonna go climb Everest? Are we gonna do it again? Like, what, um, what, what's next? Or do you you just not thinking beyond that? It's just get through the end of the year. Get to the end of the year first, but there's always more. You know, there's no, there's never a finite point. You know, there's always, there's always more to be accomplished. You know, you, you know, like um, I listen to like a lot of heavy metal stuff though, and um. You know, like uh, the band Hatebreed, they had the perfect album title for their first release. It was uh, Satisfaction is a Death of Desire. Yeah. You know, so you're never satisfied. <laughs> that's, I mean, that is, that's 100% it's true. Just a, it's just an awesome quote. It, it, that's 100% true. I think that goes with anyone who's successful or motivated, right? Like, Yeah, there's always more. Yeah, you're, you're always you like, know? if I could only do this, and then you get that, and you're like, what's next? What's next? Exactly. You know, as, as, a, as an athlete, I... I mean, and it may it may sound crazy though. I mean, I do have my uh, little buckle display for the photos this year, but once this year's over, they go in a bin, and then I start on next year. <laughs> that's yeah. So I have like I have like two bins. Um, they weigh about seventy pounds each, just full of medals. I don't have them hung up on the wall. You know, I always look. Uh, I always look to go above and beyond. So that's, that's interesting. So I, I, if people follow me on Instagram or Facebook, they've probably seen my medal display. I use it as a positive feedback loop, right? Like, so I put them yeah. up on the wall. Not, oh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, yeah. though. It's just me. Not, not, to, <laughs> not for uh, like almost no one comes and sees my office uh, where all my medals are hanging. Uh, but I like to use it because you know when I go in there, I see what I've accomplished, and that gives me confidence and allows me to accomplish more things. So I use it like kind of like a yeah positive feedback loop there. But yeah, whatever you know, there's you know whatever motivates anybody to go. You know, everybody's motivation is different. Everybody, true. Yeah, you know, everybody's different. You know, like um, anything that motivates somebody in a positive way, you know, is just there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You know, and forgive me for not picking like right words. I pretty much haven't slept since Friday, but <laughs> <laughs> that that is true. Yeah, so the brain's like shutting down a little bit, but you know. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to wrap this up because we got to get Billy to the airport in a little bit. But again, very impressive. Make sure you follow Billy. Um, you still have a GoFundMe page? Uh, well, I'm using a DM Life page right now. It's uh, dm.life slash Billy100. It's got a little milestone tracker. So every time I finish a race, I uh, check it off. It tells you what percentage of the goal has been completed. You know, it's got a fundraiser link at the bottom. If anyone uh, wishes to help out, it'd be great. You know, I'd be very thankful, greatly appreciated. Yeah. You know, so it it was cool running with him towards the end. Uh, you know, once the sun came up and we actually were back in civilization. You know, we had some cars honking at us about the American flag, and then you know the people at the aid station were 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 like, "Oh, I think it's so awesome you're carrying the American flag and blah blah blah." So it was uh yeah, it was it, cool. it, it's it's very motivational. You know, it uh. You know, a lot of people are inspired by it. So, good stuff. All right, we're actually going to let you go. Billy, thanks again. Uh, definitely, thank you for having me. Thank you for everything this weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, it's was. it been fun. And uh, I got some good training mileage in. That was like my last long run for World's Toughest. So, I uh, will see everyone in Atlanta in, uh, in a couple weeks. All right. Catch you later.